What was the name, Joe? Show I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And everybody hurts in this stupid town. Everybody hurts yep. in Detroit. Especially if you're a Detroit sports fan, you cry a lot. Some people hurt all the time. And if you're in Detroit, you're hurting all the time, it seems. Not just sometimes. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I went and I, you know, gas is like almost like $5 a gallon. Um, everything you buy in a grocery store is up, you know. How'd your golf game go last weekend? Sucked too. I was, <laughs> I, I was hungover as shit. Well, it didn't sound like it was all bad then. It was fun, but I had a headache and it was raging and I like, but you know what? I bombed some shots, like I bombed some drives and I was, I was all good. I made myself look better than I should have. That's good for but your my, first outing. But my irons did a little bit of work. Now, in the case of these, these short teams, every damn thing needs a little bit of work. But they're getting a little tiny bit better. The fact that they split that doubleheader with the twins, I think, is maybe signs of a good thing. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about Cody Clemens coming up? Mm-mm. No. No. No good. Don't, don't even get me started. Cody Clemens. If his name wasn't Clemens, he'd be like Ray Liotta. <laughs> okay. In Field of Dreams. Yes. It right. would, It would just be. It's a ghost. It's it, not a real person. It's not even a real person. Like, yeah. yeah, it's cool his dad was here. Cool Rogers here. Like, good for Roger. See his kid make the big leagues. But uh, I really don't have any, like, uh, hot take or take. The guy went 0 for 3 and, like, it's like. Okay. I was about to say that. Did you see the Detroit media spun it well, though? They're like, hey, he went 0 for 3, but Cody's the kind of guy that Detroit, says, I want the, Detroit, the team to win. The Detroit media is the most dishonest media in sports. They they they, they cuddle to these guys. Like, I, you know, Helene St. James, the Rubbings writer. Right. Can't read her stuff. She's god-awful. She's a puppeteer. You know, there's only Dave Burkett and, like, that's it. That's it. The rest of them are like, they can't give you a hard opinion if it came out of their ass. Because they want to be the hometown team, even though we're the hometown team. But the reason why I think we are is because we're willing to be honest with people Mm -hmm. and honest in our analysis. And in fact, you know, some of our analysis that's coming out of these sports writers today, we've been talking about for months. It's like the Red Wings. You know, they do this analysis on what do the Red Wings need in the offseason? What do they need to acquire? It's the same thing we've been saying. So these people are, these people just come here and listen to us because we know what we're talking about. And you're going to hear it here first. That's right. the reality, and, okay? And so when we talk about what's the first team that's going to win a playoff game or a playoff series in the city of Troy, who would you say? I'm going with the Lions. It's going to be hard to say no, but I think it'll be the Red Wings. You think the Red Wings are going to win before the Lions do? I don't think so. I think the Lions are poised. Uh, they're being recognized by tr- pretty much everyone that their offensive line is, what, number three, four in the league? Mm-hmm. Um, and unlike in hockey, where I think defense is the key, and I think defense is going to be the key for the Red Wings moving forward to win a playoff game or whatever, or get into the, to earn a playoff spot, I think offense is key. Um, for the Detroit Lions. They've got to get aggressive, and, you know, they've got to score touchdowns, and I think that they are poised to do that. So I think they're going to be the first ones to make it into the playoffs. 
and win. And win. Yeah, and win a game. Yeah, win I don't think they're going to win a series necessarily, but well, I think they're going to well, win a playoff they game. Went, they win games. Wins. They don't play series. Well, you know what I'm yeah, talking you, about. I'm confusing you right now. You are confusing me. You now, said playoff I think, games and series. I, are not well, because the, the, the playoff game could be uh, Tigers making the wild card. But we know that isn't happening because that team is god-awful. I mean, they there's a, they have a better, we have a better chance of uh, winning the Mega Millions before this team goes to the playoffs. Maybe that's what they should do. Maybe, you know... Maybe they should go in in a pool or something and buy lottery tickets because you know they got a much shot they did winning they, that as they do. They did, and they all struck yeah. out. <laughs> no, I think I think it could be the Rebels because I think the reality of the situation is you're looking at two to three years until you get a real playoff contender, in my opinion. Well, I think that it's going to take that long. You know, when they talk about these rebuilds, what? How? When do you know a rebuild is over? Really? I mean, what benchmark do you use? Is it a playoff win? Is it a certain percentage? I think it's making the playoffs. Because I think if you make the playoffs and you – okay, so if you make the playoffs, right, you can could, you could sell your fan base, now we're on track, we're on track, we're on track. I mean, like the Red Wings in that case, I think that they 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 have the pieces to be a playoff team. So they could be – they, they can get that quicker. I think the Lions could do that. Think the Pistons, if they hit the right draft pick, they could. Tigers, forget about it. You might as well just write them off. Write them off. Yeah, I'll tell you why I don't think. And I love the Red Wings. You know, I love my guys. Guys, we know you're out there listening. You know, I love you. I love every one of you. But here's the reality. I think that given the competition in the the conferences that they're in, East, yeah, yeah, I think that the conference is so challenging that the Red Wings is in there and they're with just top, I think all your top contenders. Whereas I think the Lions have a more a winnable easier path, easier yes, path, yeah, easier yeah. path. The, yes. the East in hockey is really tough, but yeah, if Bergeron calls it quits in Boston, that could open up a slot. It's it's going to be hot, hard hockey anyways because that's the Eastern Conference, especially Atlantic Division, very very tough. Yep. Yeah, so, and that's what I, that's where I think that the Red Wings, even though the Red Wings and the Lions may be on par as far as putting pieces together, and I think Steve is going to continue to do that. But I think if you get the right coach, the right free agents, I think you can really see. I think again, I think I the think Lions you, are already on the wings. I think you can put yourself sport. in a position to be in contention to get in the playoffs. The Red Wings, because I think, I mean, we didn't have Ron all year last year for the Red Wings. I think that that could have got them closer to the playoffs than we, you know, think. I mean, we both said that last year when Verona was out, we were like, this could be a playoff team, and then they fell off the cliff. But I think that's because they played so high above their level that, you know, for a while that it just – they came back to earth. That's exactly what they did. Well, and I think they had a lot of wonky things go on on the Red Wings, just a whole lot of really bizarre things. And quite frankly, I think the Lions faced the same thing on a lot of just weird injuries, a lot of – COVID. Uh, yeah, COVID-related yeah. issues, just a lot of um, – just a, a lot of uh, – just real weird things that happened uh, that just didn't go their way. But I think that the Lions are in a better position. And also they're first up in the calendar before the Wings, uh, you know, make it to their playoffs. So we'd have to almost assess it like the case that, on the right The case that you can make with the Lions is they have an easy schedule this year. Yeah. Uh, they have an offensive line. Their defensive line is going to be better. You win your game in the trenches. And also, they've had their head coach for longer. 
and he's already kind of worked his see, I don't, see, adjustment that's, time that's, in. That's, hockey, I think you can really get a guy that can – a coach that can come in day one and turn it around. You're banking on Barry Trotz, aren't no, you? No, I, I just think that a coach in hockey could turn it around way quicker than a coach in football. Because a coach in hockey, there's not the schematic of that things that they do, but for the you know vast majority, it's it's pretty proper knowledge. It's just what they do with the schematics and how they position themselves. Well, what do you think about the Pistons' chances? I mean, they're going to have uh, they got another high draft pick. And I mean, the playoffs, the Pistons can go to the playoffs too. There you year. go. I mean, but but here's the problem with the Pistons: it's like. They have a habitual problem of paying free agents, and it's not really working out. I mean, they paid like they paid uh, was it uh, Kelly Olynyk this year? Mm-hmm. He barely saw the court. You know, they got to resign some players. Marvin Bagley. They got they got we got to see what they do with the draft because if that's big because if they get a guy like. Jaden Ivey, and then they trade Jeremy Grant for the seventh pick. They could get another rookie and have it all put together. But even that, even then, you're working out the kinks because you know they're a young squad. You know. Yeah, I, I think I think both those teams. I think the argument can be made that both the Pistons and the Red Wings have um, some adjustment phases that they're going to have to go through this season. Uh, but I think that the Lions have already done that. I think they're poised uh, in the best position. To, to to win a playoff game, to get into the playoffs and win a playoff game. And I believe that given their their field of competition, they have their easier path, their easier schedule, I think uh, there's a lot of things that are working in the Lions' favor uh, that puts them in the best position to win a playoff game. Yeah, I think, well, there's one or two things that could determine this. So you got the Red Wings, right? The Lucas Raymond, Cider, let's say they build on what they became. Mm-hmm. They become like very, very like top thirty NHL players. Then you're talk then you're talking. You know what I'm saying? It's about the next step up. And I think if you ask me right now, would it be the rubbings of the Pistons? And the Pistons, because of the Kate Cunningham and the rookies that are coming in through the draft. What but team has a better position to rise quicker. It's the Red Wings because Raymond's been in the NHL. Sider's been in the NHL. Yeah. I think they have, um, I think they're going to bring some players up that they've had in their system for, for a little bit. Like a Berggren, like a Cross Hannes, like a Edmondson. Edmondson. Yeah. But I think, um, I think they're going to make some moves in for agent because they got the cap room. And I think when you bring those guys in through the, that free agents, I think that's what's going to really get you to, because I, I think the, what Stevie Y solidifies himself as, the, he does do smart deals. I think he's going to look for someone like Ryan McDonough to help his young decor. So I wouldn't be shocked if he goes in and on trade this year. Well, you know what? I have to say one thing I've noticed across the board, whether we're talking about Pistons, Red Wings, Lions, and to a certain extent, even the Tigers, and this is totally a chick perspective. You ready for this one? You're going to like this one, Joe. Okay. All right. Every single one of them has got some brought on some serious eye candy in the last in the last season. They all have. They're just cues buttons. 
Oh boy. They are. I mean, come on. Aiden Hutchinson, he's about as cute as they come. His sister then won got, his sister won Miss Michigan to you. Well, I'm not surprised because he's just as pretty. <laughs> and uh, you know, if nothing else, you got some. I mean, you know, Lucas Raymond and most well, I think most ciders just cute as a button. Um, you know, he's cute as he could be. And um, you know, uh, Kate Cunningham, he's adorable. So come on, if nothing else. Ladies, we can go to all of these games and have some nice eye candy. So it's a win either way because you enjoy the view, regardless of the outcome. I'm going to delete the last two minutes of this because, <laughs> listen, I don't care about looks. I care about the guy can be fugly. Oh, you're no fun. He Look, I'm be, trying to make light be, of a really crappy situation. He can be fugly, and I'll still be like, if he's good, cool. If he's bad, throw him in the trash. I don't care. <laughs> because... Hey, but isn't it all marketing? Didn't we talk about that a little bit pre-show about how this is all business and how how it's a lot of things they do in sports is political and a lot of it's just business and part of the business is having marketable players. Well, obviously, obviously you have name, a, image, and likeness. We talked I, about I, that last week. Obviously, you have a marketing thing. That's right. But I mean, anyone you can market lives. Dan Campbell can market himself because of his freaking guns. No, but but so, it, oh, that's the God's truth. Ooh, ooh. Hello. No. But but the reality is, and you said it last week, Joe, and this is absolutely right. The best way to market a team, you know, they're doing all this stuff. They respond to various cultural things and all of that. And we see that in these these different promotions they do for whatever. But the reality is no one, what sells no, a team no, and that's wins. No one cares. You gotta you, have wins. You, yeah, if you win, that's it, it all goes away. Now all these teams have a problem with, with winning and like they're allergic to it. You know, Lions, they haven't won a playoff game since 91. The Rebels haven't won a playoff series since, what, 2013? The Pistons, I think, in 2008. Tigers, 2014. That's a, that is a long time. So none of these teams have given you anything to watch. You know, like, you want to be entertained. And some of, these, some of these teams, like, especially the Tigers this year, not entertaining. So I think the one way you look at coming out of the rebuild is, um, excitement, playoffs, and then a playoff win. I and think if use... I think if these teams just get into the playoffs, and I know we're talking about who's going to make it first to a win, but the reality is, if these teams can just make it into the playoffs, they're going to start some some excitement and momentum, and you're going to start to get see people get fired up at the very fact that they made it in the playoffs. Because when was the last time a Detroit team a Detroit team made it into the playoffs? Um, it's got to have been four or five years. The Pistons a couple of years ago. But that didn't count because they had no shot. And that like they didn't even get the attendance because people knew they had no shot. Yeah, I mean, the top – so the, of the four major sports I think you Detroit, have to get, I think you have it's to get, been years. I think you have to get in the playoffs and actually have a shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if the Lions got in the play, playoffs and they played the Rams in the first round, boy, boy, that would not be good. But there's always a shot because in football you have a shot. You know, hockey, yeah. you have a shot. Baseball, you have a shot. Basketball is the only one where if you're an eight seed or whatnot and you're playing the number one, you got no shot because the team that you're playing is way better than you. But you think it's the Lions. I think it's the Red Wings. We'll see who's who gets to win. Well, the Lions hadn't made the playoffs since 2016. Right. So there's six years for you right there. we had that boob of a couple. No, I'm not going to get it now. Now, according now, this was back in 2021. So this was about October 7, 2021. The Freep reported that Detroit Sports 
has not won a playoff game in 2,000 days. Well, that makes sense. 2,000 days. That's I mean, depressing. That, how bad is that? What is that? Five, it's, six, it's been, six it's been years? Ba- it's been bad, but, like, if you look okay, if you look at it in perspective, I mean, you know, your teams are rebuilding. Which teams look promising? The Lions, the Ravens, and the Pistons. Well, it's kind of like when we talk about when is the pandemic over? When is the pandemic going to be over, right? Where we can get on with our lives and get back to normal. When is inflation going to be over? When is all this going to be over? When is a rebuild over? When can you say the rebuild's completed and it's been rebuilt? Now, Steve Eiserman will tell you it's a five-year process. He said that when he first got to Detroit, he's in year three of his five-year rebuild. So I'm expecting in two years, the Red Wings will be considered rebuilt. The, the, the Lions... I think they probably got a couple more years yet to prove that they are rebuilt. I don't. I think the Tigers have gone into negative territory. The Tigers, you better start all over. They're in what year six of, of a rebuild. They they in, and they've gone backwards. They've regressed. So it's going to take probably another four, five, six I years for them to I come think, back. I think you just hit on it with the crux of the matter. If they regress like the Tigers have, it's very discouraging. If they progress like the Lions and the Ravens have. And the Pistons, that's good. But if one of those teams regresses, you're back to step. Yeah, I mean, you're in negative territory. And now, and now you've got, you know, so I, I think it's a five-year process. I think Steve Eiserman's right. I think you can apply that probably to most sports, although. I think I think hockey, basketball. Football's faster. And baseball are the ones that take a five-year process. Football, you can literally rebuild in a year and be competitive, more competitive. And then you're going to get more draft capital you're gonna the second year you go into it's gonna be better you know especially if you're a team like the lions like if you were a team like the lions last year where it was your first year as a you know seeing what you have in the roster and you went and you went into this you draft and you're gonna get better you know injuries mounted you're gonna come back from that i think that's that's something that you have to look at too so we'll wonder what the vegas odds are on the Detroit Lions making it to the Super Bowl. Long. Long shots. Long shots. I would almost be willing to take that bet because if they catch fire, I'm really excited that's, to see what the Lions do this ta- season. That's talking crazy. I don't think the Lions will be that good this – I think – Well, I don't think they're going to get past Green Bay. I think Green Bay is going to be a little bit vulnerable than people think. I think this whole North is going to be – I think it's going to be fool's goal because I think this whole division kind of stinks. So if the Lions came in second, people are going to be like, oh, well, we have a shot, you know. I don't know. It's just not – that's not the way it works. I think I think any of these teams get anywhere near a playoff, what I think is going to happen is it's going to cause uh, a bit of a ripple effect, and it's, it's going to be almost like a snowball as well. I think you're going to see one t- – I think the Lions are going to kick it off. I think they're going to make a playoff first. I'll be willing to go out on a limb, Joe, and I'm willing to tell you, I think the Lions and the Red Wings will both make it to the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. I think the Lions will actually win the playoff game, a playoff game before the Red Wings win a series, a playoff series. But um, I think they're both going to make it to the playoffs this year. I even think there's a, a hope for the Pistons to make the playoffs. It really depends on how their draft goes. Yeah. But uh, but I'd be willing to say that two out of the four teams in Detroit this next season up are going to make it to the playoffs. I think you're right. The Detroit Lions and the Red Wings have the best shot. And that other two Pistons I, I like, but it's so, diff- it's so different trying to get these young players to come in the NBA and be ready to play. 
So that's why I'm a little bit hesitant on that. But the Lions and the Rebels are definitely the two teams that I would say are going to be the first teams to get in the playoffs. And I think that's going to catch fire. And I think that the following season, you may see the Pistons, and I'm going to even say the Tigers if they make the right moves. No. If they get rid of Alavila. Tigers are done. If they get rid of Alavila, no, they're going to we'll be able to get the Tigers back. in the next segment, but the Tigers are looking at another rebuild. Just saying. And we'll get to that in the next segment. Right on. Welcome to the Cindy and Joe show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. Listen, Alavila isn't building up anything. And if we're being honest with each other right now, you are staring yet another rebuild in the face. And Cindy's gonna try to retract my statement, but let, <laughs> but let me just tell let me just tell you. Last week I told you you have two prospects in the top 100, and the second prospect looks really really bad, and. That's basically it. You got two prospects. And I know people are trying to hype up the Cody Clemens. Oh, Cody Clemens. They're, they're you know, hitting the meat and trying to get themselves aroused because, you know, the, the Tigers are uh, the Tigers are very, very uh, – uh, they're basically like a, a slump buster. They're just a fat piece of garbage. And so people are like – trying to get through summer, and they're watching this stupid team, and they're going, anything to get them fired up. Oh, Cody Clemens is up. The Viagra pill. <laughs> Boom. I'm a re- and then you watch him go 0 for 3, right? And then, you know, it's going to be Riley Green. And then Riley Green is going to come up. Now, the only thing that has happened with the Tigers is that they've had pitchers that have pitched really, really well. Like the Bo Brisky, the Fiatos. Tarek Skubal looks like a stud. Casey Mize is on the DL. Well, it's not called DL no more. They don't, the IL. Yeah. The IL, which is the stupidest thing ever because it's the same thing, but they don't want they don't want to be offensive to disabled people, which makes no sense to me. I'll still call DL. Anyways, <laughs> Casey Mize looks like he's going towards. You're very insensitive, Joe. You're being very insensitive I, to the. You know what? I know disabled people, and I don't think it really matters to them either. Because it's, it's been around for decades, and we're going to change it because all of a sudden we're offended now. Like, how get the hell away from me. Well, this is this is the response to the, the cultural pressure that ah, some of these teams are that. getting. That's really what it is. Now, listen. Casey Mize is going on the injured list, right? Yep. Matt Manning looks like he's coming off the injured list. But, like, you got three good – you got three pitchers that I think could, could become something. Scooble. Uh, Brisky and Fado. But then you get to the positional players, and that's where you kind of. Uh, well, you know, they're. they're you on. just look at them and you go, hmm. It's like, you know, it's like uh, it's like you're dating a new, a, a new girl, right? You're trying to think, well, this looks pretty good. When she's like this, it looks pretty good. And then we, you're like, but when she does this, it's very, very ugly. Like you, t- you take her to the bar, you take her to the bar, and, and she's the next thing she you, you hear is, "I'm the wild, oh, oh my god!" She's just a sloppy person, right? She's all all over the bar, just like I just want to be a prank right here right now. And then you're like, "Oh my god!" 
That's what the Tigers offense is. It's a it's the drunk, sloppy girl. It's, or if it's if you want to go, if we want to make it complete, we go the drunk, sloppy guy because we know what happens too. That's right. It now, does. Tigers offense is brutal, right? It's, it's pretty brutal. And I mean, you, people think that Spencer Torkelson is going to be this guy. He's looked pretty. Mm. Riley Green's going to be coming up soon, I would think. I mean, unless you catch lightning in a bottle. But with the Tigers, you with baseball, you need a complete offense. Like you can't have just two two guys. Like I mean, you look at the Yankees lineup and you look at the Tigers lineup and you go, "This is what the Poors do." You know, right? It's not it's not fun to watch, and it's just it's sad because we really don't have a baseball team. But the bearer of bad news is. We have another rebuild coming. Because if you're a general manager and you come into this situation, you are going to be like, I want no part of this. Yeah, they're going to rip it all down and start I got I, I to I rip this thing apart because yeah. like, you got to look at the three factors of the pitchers that – all the pitchers that Elville had that he could have traded for pitch hitters, offense players, whatever, he didn't. He didn't trade those guys, and they ended up coming back at him. They need a wholesale change, just like the Lions did. The Lions did a wholesale change top to bottom. I think that's what the Tigers need to do, if not making those changes, but definitely a top to bottom analysis. Um, And you can't have the same people who created the problem coming up with the solution, right? Uh, It doesn't work that way. You've got to remove those issues. The number one top of the list, and I know we keep saying it over and over, but I truly believe it, and that is Al Avila. Al Avila has failed miserably as a GM. Your GM needs to properly manage the assets, and he has not properly managed his assets, whether it be his, his financial resources, his player assets, his program assets, whatever that case might be. They've been all mismanaged across the board. You have to get rid of of your general manager, because again, um, you cannot solve a problem at the same level of thinking that created it. Okay. And I don't see the, the level of thinking changing at all. So long as you have, uh, Alabila still in charge. So you've got to change that out and it also changed the culture and it'll also change the, the entire programming, right? That's number one. Then you've got to start replacing those pieces that are your key components to having just a generally well-run team or well-put-together team. Now, you might have to develop those things as time goes on, whether it be members of the coaching staff, whether it might be, uh, you know, your your positional players, uh, members of the, you know, the um, those in the pitching rotation, whatever the case might be. But you have to have that wholesale analysis and change top to bottom. That's what the Lions did, which is why what we talked about in the last segment, why they are probably the first ones in contention to, to, to win a playoff game. That's what the, the Red Wings did. All of the successful franchises have done the same thing, and the Tigers are going to have to do that. Now, despite the fact that they are, and I've never seen an odd this long in my life, the the Tigers, you know what the Vegas odds are that they win the World Series? 50,000 to 1. Hmm. 50,000 to 1 that the Tigers win the World Series. Um they're saying people aren't betting on the Tigers. Which means it'll <laughs> never happen, at least not this season. So, uh, however... It, it, just, it just goes to show you how 
There's been a streak of wins, though. No, Joe. it's been a streak of wins, but like I think it's a mirage because, like, come back to me when they win ten out of thirteen. Then I'll, I'll be tuned in. Now I go to the game on the eighteenth of June. Oh, you're actually going? Yeah, because it's you know my dad's company picnic and whatever. That, that's like, the only people I'm hearing about going to Tigers games right now. It's so funny. It's like they're going there for an event. It's either like a fundraiser or they're going there because someone's company is having an event oh, there. Someone or died and they just gave tickets away. Yeah, they're, I mean, like, nobody's going to say, "Hey, I want to go watch a Tigers game." They're all like, the only way they're getting people into that stadium is like under the auspices of something else. Like we got to trick you to get in here. And oh, by the way, there's this, there's these guys on on the field and, oh, yeah. and they're playing baseball. Here's, here's Just, do- you know, ignore them. Bring your dog to the park day. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, come on. Like, this is, like, Joe Zamaya with the whole thing that went viral with the our graphic. You know, like he said, it's, it's just, it's, you can't do this in Detroit. Like, you just, you can't. Like, it's too iconic. It's too, um, it's an embarrassment to the legacy. It's an embarrassment to the legacy. And it, it, the last 20 years have been an embarrassment because they're still up there in losses. If you look at the – from 2000 to now, it's pretty bad. So, I mean, the fact that merit is like I've seen – I saw the Tigers lose a lot of games, you know, in my lifetime. Like a lot. But, right, so much more in yours. I mean, you. I was actually around when they won a World Series. You were around when they won a World Series. Yeah. I have. I've watched them get in the World Series and uh, basically throw up on themselves and uh, and get a cab called on them because you know they they can't handle their drinking. Now, I, I just I just think that the Tigers are just like it's it's just not it's not what it's not to be expected. Like you, you got to understand, like. There's a pride that comes along with wearing the old English D, the winged wheel, even the Pistons logo, like the, the colors of the Pistons. Mm-hmm. They have a they have a meaning, you know. If you go back in history, the Bad Boys, the '84 Pistons, the you know going to work Pistons. You got the Red Wings the dynasty with Eisenman and McCarty and Shanahan, Brett Hall and Tosic and all that stuff. Osgood. And then you got the Tigers when '84, Lou Tram, Lou and Tram, you know yeah, Gibson, Kirk Gibson, uh, Lance Parrish, Lance Parrish, all those, Jack all Morris. those, all those yeah. guys. And if you go to the back to '68, you still have Willie Horton, Jim Price, who does this, and Al K line. Like those are legit memories. You look back to the, the current roster and you go, how far are they away from having an Al K line? No, I know Miguel Cabrera is that guy now, but he's old and too. It's like who is their budding superstar? Like Baez was supposed to be this great signing by El Vila. Garbage. I mean, like Ken Holland, we talked about before, got railroaded in this town because he signed bad free agent deals, which some of them really weren't his fault. But the Baez one. We could have seen from a mile away because he's always been a streaky guy, always been a flashy guy, strikes out morning, he gets hit. He's just, right. he's just leads it his fielding sucks. He lead, well, led the league in errors no, last year. Yeah, like he'll get like he'll make great plays and then the plays that you think he should make, he doesn't make. Right. And that's just not practical. 
you know, like we come from, we come from, uh, we watched Nick Lichtman play hockey. Okay. Perfect two minutes. Did the right way. Did that like that. We watched, we watched Ben Wallace patrol the middle of the court and just say, you're not coming here unabated. You're going to get your ass whooped. Yeah. Bill Van Beers, you know, even like if you go to Justin Verlander, where like, if you were, if he was on the mound, he had a killer instinct and he was going to kill, he was going to beat you. With the Tigers, I don't see a killer instinct on that team right now. Well, you, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You've got nobody on the Tigers who anybody's afraid of facing. That's what I'm saying. Like there is right? no, there is no one on that roster. You go. There's no fear. Oh there. my God, that is Justin Verlander. Oh my God, that is Miguel Cabrera. Oh my God, we did do it. Miguel Maybe Cabrera. that that's the only one. But, he's, but he's such but, an outlier. But he's so he's that older that like they people they go like okay he's past his time where like he could take a ball that you make a mistake on and take it out of the park easily. So I mean it's just that's just the way it is. And I think that we're looking at another rebuild with the Tigers. Because if you look at the roster right now, which one of these players is actually gonna be a guy that you can build a championship team around. Maybe Torkelson, maybe Green when he comes up. But your offensive players, there's there's not much to gain from. And I know people love these the Cody Clemens story. Oh, he's bringing up Cody Clemens. Well, you know, here's the other thing, too, is they, they talk all about how well these guys are doing in the minors and how well they're doing in various areas in the farm system or whatever. And what we see more times than not is these they bring these guys up to the big club and they've got all their hopes and dreams pinned on them. And the fact of the matter is they just cannot – the Tigers, calibrate themselves the Tigers for ju- for to the major league baseball. The Tigers for a long time have not had the ability to uh, develop players well. I mean, they had the Justin Verlander, which that's that's a guy that that's, was good off the gate. Like he was a good player. You know what I'm saying? Didn't really take much. A Granderson, they they kind of brought up. right. But like most of their talent that they that was star talent, they brought in via trade or free agency. They haven't developed enough. Like you look at the Red Sox, right? Develop a lot of talent. The Braves, who won the World Series last year, develops talent. The Dodgers, most of their talent is developed in their system because they have a system. The Giants developed in their system. The Twins and the Indi- the Guardians, who Guardians aren't good. But for some reason, they develop all these pitchers who are really, really good. And they always have a guy that's an infielder prospect or outfielder prospect that's really, really good. Tigers, they haven't had that guy. And everyone, everyone we say, oh, he's going to be good, like a Jacob Turner. Andrew Miller, who you traded for Miguel Cabrera, wasn't really good. It's a tie, it's a tie, there's an organizational failure with this team. And the guy who's been a part of it for the, a while – has been Al Vila. Well, there's no doubt. Now, here's what I'm concerned about. My main concern is by the time the, you know, Tigers get into a serious rebuild, will will AJ Hinch stay around? Because now you're going to have a if AJ Hinch leaves, now you've got even if you change out Al Vila, you got a big problem because now you got to find a new head coach. A manager, yeah. Or a manager, well, rather, yeah. I had the I had a bad dream yesterday because I've been having you know some kind of garbage come, go around in my life so far. And I had a dream that AJ Hinch left to go back to the Astros. Because he got to opt out after this year. 
Now, if I was him, I'd opt out for sure because I don't want to be a part of this team because there's no future with this team. None whatsoever. You could say Riley Green, but you're going to base all your hope on him. You could say Spencer Torkelson, but you're basing that he's going to get better, which you hope he does. But you're still – that's only two players. Well, again, look what this general manager is, is serving up to A.J. Hinch to, to work with. He's not giving him anything to work with. I mean, his, his best acquisition was Austin Meadows, Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez. And for a good majority of them, except Austin Meadows, they've been pretty bad. Tigers have got to concentrate on bats. They've got to get some sluggers on this team. And they had a shot last year to get a Marcelo Mayer. But they passed on him to get Jackson Job. And you know where Marcelo Mayer is right now? Boston. You know, they always draft out good infielder prospects. And guess who's 10th on the prospects list? Marcelo Mayer in one year made 10th on the prospects list. Yeah, I, I don't – again, I don't see – much hope for the Tigers so long as they stay in the same pattern that has gotten them to where they're at. And until they make a significant amount of changes at a very high level, it's just not going to change. Why would you think it would? Why would Alvila is not going to all of a sudden start doing business differently. Okay. You've got to change him out. There's no other way to get this thing done. And even if you do that, even if you do that now today, I think you're looking at at least three years before the Tigers are even competitive. Yeah, you're looking. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's as sad as people you know love baseball and they want this team to be good, but you're just not going to see with this team. It's three more summers, Joe, of heading to the golf course instead of heading to the Tiger Stadium. Well, or to Comerica Park. I, I like the Tigers were the one that started their rebuild. The, the last, you know, they were the one that, you know, was the first one to start the rebuild pretty, pretty much. And they're farther than they were when they started. Yeah, farther behind. Because when you, you yeah. got you to think when they started the rebuild last time, they had JV to sell off, J, uh, JD Martinez to sell off. They had pieces to sell off. Now you look at this team and you go, who are you selling off? Like who? Like you got to bring someone who could draft pretty good because you have no one to trade prospects. Like, yeah, you could trade Scooble if you wanted to, but that would be stupid. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me if some of these key players are asking for trades. They have to be. They have to. If be. it keeps going with this, I think you will see that. Well, I mean, and you look even with the Red Wings, right? You know, I I think one of the things that Stevie Y understands because he was a player in in Seattle, Villa doesn't understand this, is that, and I give Stevie Y a lot of credit for this, and that is that. I think he has let go of players who um, are kind of like tail end of their career, even though they were good pieces of the Red Wings. He wanted to give those guys a chance at a cup. Darren Helm, Luke Glendon. Yep, yep. I mean, he at least has some awareness that, hey, these guys don't have very many chances left. Yeah, and I'm not going to keep them on a bad team. Exactly, exactly. That's, again, that is a comprehensive – thinking of a good GM. He's not just thinking for the best part of his organization, which of course he is, but he's also thinking what's best for these players. And Stevie Y really uh, is the type of manager that we need for the Detroit Tigers. Now who that would be, I honestly don't know. 
Yeah, I know you're. I gave you the Listen, perfect opportunity. That, that guy, that guy would turn around this team, and he would get total buy-in because he's done it before, and it just—it's a match made in heaven. He would want to come to the Tigers, and that'd be great. But you know what? Chris Village has an image problem right now with the way that he has kept Alvila around. I mean, well, he, nobody can figure out why that is. He must have some naked pictures of him or something. <laughs> I mean, he's got some blackmail, some blackmail material on Chris Illich. Chris Illich just said, you know what, Ken, I think you should step away. Here comes Stevie Y. He fired a guy, he, not, he didn't fire, but he totally got to step away, you know, so he can hire someone like Stevie Y. And that guy won cups before. So Al Vila has done nothing like Kenny Holland, and yet. He is still in charge of that organization. It's just maddening to me. But in the next segment, we'll be talking about the Red Wings and where they should go with how they should go and how they should position themselves like the playoff teams. All right. Yep. That's my Welcome to Sydney and Joe Show. I'm Joe. I'm Sydney. And this is the Sydney and Joe Show. And this is Detroit, your hometown team. You bet we are. Now we are talking the Red Wings. And, right. and we were talking, we were, we were talking pre-show about how they matched up against, like, not, not match up. What characteristics would you take from these playoff teams and put in Detroit Red Wings? And just, I know you can't see us, but we are both sitting here in matching almost Red Wings t-shirts. We are totally repping the wings today. Um, feeling it. We're feeling it, yeah. Because you know what? Here's the thing: I see the Red Wings moving closer and closer to these playoff teams. We're down to four now. Um, we've got uh, both conference finals uh, going on. We're down to um, Tampa Bay, New York Rangers. Um, gosh, Colorado Avalanche. And and the, and the gosh, I just drew a blank. And so after such an amazing game yesterday between the Abs and the Oilers. You, and you thought it was amazing. I thought it was it was horrible. I thought it was great. Look, it was exciting. It was high scoring. They said it was, was going to be high scoring. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen. Now, if I was going to build a team, well, that's because you're a goalie and you're no, looking at it from a goalie's no, perspective. No, I'm looking at it. As, I'm looking at it as, that's not fun to watch. It's not fun to watch two teams score five plus two goals, goals nine seconds apart. How could that no, not be fun? That that's just stupidity. Like I was, I'm I not even it differently. I'm not even a coach, and I was pulling my hair out. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like nine seconds later, you let this guy score a goal. Are you out of your damn mind? Like, what is wrong with you? And I, I looked back at the Robins and I was like, I was like, well, if I was gonna take any part of this, these two teams, I would take nothing from those two teams. Well, you nothing. Know, you can't help- now if you look at the Tampa Bay and the New York series, you know what I would take away from those? Get me a guy in the goaltend increase who can actually be. A guy who is a rock behind the defense, who can show that he can play the game the right way and steal a game or two. That's definitely what I picked up from the uh, the last uh, series was. Um, right, how the, big? How big did Shesterkin play for the Rangers? Vasilevsky for the, the oh Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky is. A wall, man. That guy is a a god in net. There's no doubt about it. What I see is 
strong defense, strong defense, strong defense. Now, we did not see that in this this last game. Uh, you can't see you saw strong defense because you had a 13 that goal looked, score. You know what that looked like? That looked like, like Rubbings and Maple Leafs. <laughs> well, because I – I look at those teams similar. It, you know, the, the, the Maple Leafs have a good offense, right? Yeah. Defense is a little bit subpar. Goaltending is a little bit subpar. But the Robins had a pretty decent offense, but their defense is subpar, and their goaltending is subpar. I mean, the the Maple Leafs have more offensive talent on that roster, but man, that's that was exactly what I I would compare it to because I look at I look at I look at Colorado and Edmonton, and I go, okay, where's their Victor Hedman? Where's their Adam Fox? Right? Right. I I mean, Kale McCarr is a good he's a good defenseman. But he's kind of a freelancing guy, not a really a, a shutdown defenseman. He's a guy that's going to score a lot. He's a, he's a he's a good offensive defenseman, but defensively he kind of uh, he leaves a little bit more to be desired. Well, you know, here's the thing: is that it almost doesn't matter which one of these teams come out of the West, or uh, because they're going to. They're going to lose it to Tampa Bay. They're going to get blown apart by either team in the East. Yeah, I, I think I, I think Tampa Bay is going to come I out think, there. I think Tampa Bay could really give Colorado nightmares because. Well, look at the four goalies. Who of those goalies can compare, or who of those three can compare with Vasilevsky? Really? Shostakin. I mean, I just I don't see. It I mean, doesn't if, matter. if it's Edmonton, it doesn't matter if you've got. That top line yeah. coming up against Vasilevsky, he's not going to let those goals in. No. Period. So it doesn't matter. You're not going against Darcy Kemper. Right. Right. <laughs> or, and so, or Pavel Francois. <laughs> okay. Right. So it's not going to matter. But you can't help but when you watch these playoffs, you can't help but compare these lineups to the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, where do our wings if, – if our wings were up against any one of these teams – they would be absolutely slaughtered. I mean, it wouldn't even be humane. It would be brutal. I think. I think the. I think the forward group could, the first and second line could, you know, the first line especially, with Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Raymond. I think they could compete with Edmonton. But when you get to the second line, you got Nugent Hopkins, you got Vander Kane, and you got uh, Hyman. I think that that's where a drop off would be, and that's I think that's where you look at like the second line. Like we've been saying, you know, a lot of these people have been reiterating what we've been saying, but we've been saying second line center and a second line winger. That's what you need. Yep. And then you and can... I've always been a goal. To, I said we need some more depth than that, and that's exactly what they're saying. Oh, geez, I just got to find these three positions. Well, no kidding. Have you well, have you been listening to the Sydney and Joe show? You've been listening to Between the Whistles, and that's that's where you're coming up with this analysis that we had two months ago. I do think though. That a guy like Sebastian Costa will be your Andre Vasilevsky, and I have I actually have I actually have a comp for Cider because I was watching Victor Hedman play, and he looks at Cider and Hedman play the same exact way. They're kind of cautious. They like to hit the body, but those are two different guys. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You can tell why. You know, Mr. Stevie Y picked those guys that he did. 
Well, and obviously he was the architect behind Vasilevsky. I mean, Kostov well. is winning Player of the Week in WHL. He's he's killing it with the Edmonton Oil Kings. I mean, they play in the same place the, the Oilers do, and they have the better goalie than the Oilers do. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just it's. I, I watched the Oilers and like, yeah, you would love to have their forward group, but like their defensive group. I mean, when they go up against a team like the Colorado Avalanche, they go up against a team like the. Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, even the Rangers, I mean, that's a lot to deal with because your goalie can't be really kind of – he really can't lean on your goalie like Mike Smith. He can't lean on your defense like, hey, guys, can you help me out here? Like, that's not the way it works. Like, with the, with the, the Lightning and the Rangers, they can say, okay, if we have an off game offensively, our goaltender is going to keep us in it. And that's what you got to look at. Like, if Edmonton comes out in the next game against Colorado, scores five goals, do you think Colorado's like, oh, our goalie can still keep us in this thing until we can battle our way back? Right. I mean, sure, that could happen, but that's like, that's just uh, not real possibility, especially if Darcy Kemper was hurt. That's really, that's you want you want your second, third string goaltender to carry you through the Stanley Cup Finals. Like how? Right. Yeah. No, I think that getting a reliable netminder and a reliable backup is really going to be very, very important. That's that's where I'm really looking for Steve to fill that hole. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I think Ned did well uh, given his first year. I mean, he had more shutouts, I think, than any other rookie goaltender. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's definitely something to build on there. Sebastian Kosta looks like he's going to be good at coming I, up. I think, I think, I think the Rebels have – but I don't think they're going to be ready for next year, Joe. I think, I think it's going to take I think, another year. No, I think I think I think they're be ready for next year because I I think to compete to just get in the playoffs. I mean, to just have two good lines, have two good deep pairings. Because if you look at these two teams that are in the Western Conference Finals right now, they have two good lines and two good deep pairings. That's it. And I still think actually that the Colorado Avalanche have the momentum i think what we're going to see is we're going to see an abs lightning um stanley cup finals it don't even matter what what team has come from the west because they're going to get their ass kicked no matter if they play the rangers or the uh, lightning well because because i mean the lightning can go out and say here's our fourth line patrick maroon and Corey perry on the wings good luck like good luck because Corey Perry can still score, Patrick Maroon can still score, and they're bigger guys. So they like to lay the body, and their their third pair of defensemen is actually still pretty good. That's what I you know when you look at the way Eisman's uh, been building his team. You gotta look at Tampa Bay because the way he's been building it and the way he drafts some of these players, like the Carter Mazurs, the Cross Hannes, the Simon Edmondson. Uh, you can see how they compare to some of these guys like I. Simon Edmondson was reading from a Swedish newspaper that they compare him like a, a Sergachev or a McDonough, where he's kind of just like a, a rangy defenseman that could make plays in the offensive zone, but he's a really good defenseman. I think that's why he went that way. And like Lucas Raymond, you look at him and you compare him to like a kind of like a could be a Kucherov type guy. Mm-hmm. And that's with that's the way that I think that um, they're building this. I mean, you look at the Rangers, even the Rangers. I mean, they have their defensive core is 
nuts the way that they're built. I mean, Adam Fox, he was a guy that was given up on by the Calgary Flames. Yeah. He won a Norris Trophy, so. Well, and I and I still. But think... I thought it was interesting though that 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 the when the Rangers won the Carolina period, the Carolina series. Did you know every player since twenty eighteen on the roster? There's about ten percent that has stayed over was by that general manager. You see how quickly it took them to get the up to speed. I think yeah. that could be the Red Wings in a few years. I think what the Red Wings need to do is they just need to make a couple of changes. It's not like they got to do a wholesale change like the Lions had to do, or a wholesale mm-hmm. change like the Tigers need to do. When we we're talking about that, the Red Wings really just you know it's it's been a very uh, gradual and progressive. Go get build. your go get your Panarin. Go get your. Uh, he needs three. He needs three spots. He needs to fill three. He needs he needs a solid. He needs he needs a solid three out of top four defensemen. He needs one solid pair and then and, and someone on the second pairing. Even if the the other though know, his partner is kind of a, a lackluster one, he'll be okay there. And then you just gotta fill four out of the top six forward positions with solid players, and you're good. And I think then you're good to go at least to get into a playoff position. To get to the Stanley Cup Finals and win the Cup, you're, probably you're, not. You're a while away. Yeah, but it just it's it, you look at these guys uh, like a, he just has to make a couple adjustments. I think is really what it is. Well, I mean, I I saw a, uh, I saw uh, an article where they said that the, the Red Wings there was a mock off season. The Red Wings got Nino Niederreiter hmm. and John Klingberg, and I was like, okay, cool, but it also had a trade. I don't think it was a trade. No, it was a signing. It's the third signing was a bold signing, and that was Johnny Goudreau. Now, if you oh, now that would be interesting. Now, if, now if the Rebels signed Goudreau, Klingberg, and Niederreiter, right there, you're probably putting Bertuzzi on the second line, which helps out. You should be line. there anyway, yeah. And then you got Klingberg uh, on the se- on the second line. I think it was they had it where Klingberg was second line with um, forget. I think it was Wallman, and the first line was Edmondson and Sider, because one's a left-hand shot, one's a right-hand shot, and the second pair would be right-handed, left-handed shot. And uh, the the center that they had was Bergeron. Second line center was Bergeron, or yeah, Bergeron. I was like, well, that be that was an interesting one, but I I still think they need a second line center. I think they do too, and I think they need a little more veteran presence on there too, because they're going to lose quite a few of their veterans. They already they already have. You know, that's one thing you got to give. Steve Eiserman credit for, and something we alluded to in the last segment is, you know, Steve really is a very, uh, he's a GM who's got a very comprehensive view of things. And you can tell that he's not looking out. Uh, he doesn't look at things one dimensionally. He looks at things multidimensionally. And when he's got veteran players who are still questing for a cup, he doesn't keep them on his team when he knows that it's not going to be a contender. He lets them go. He facilitates trades. Um, and lets those guys have their shot. That's just the kind of guy that he is. So I think that in and of itself tells you that he is um, thinking as much for the players as he is for his team. I think that's going to get him buy-in. And I think that's that's why people want to come play for Steve, among other reasons. But I think the way he's building this team, uh, you can see coming up in the ranks – you know, people complain about the defensemen, even myself. I mean, I'm very guilty of that. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, our defense sucks. Oh, my gosh, all we have is Mo Sider. Even Darren McCarty said, you know, yeah, you got one defenseman, one. And, uh, you know, 
and he was hoping for more, but as far as he's concerned, one reliable defenseman. But if you look at the prospects and the depth inside the prospects, we are very deep when it comes to left-handed defensemen coming up. Uh, Steve's been building that, and now he's just got to get some right-handers. So he gets some right-handed shots in the defenseman um, in his prospects and starts building those up. It would not surprise me to see him draft some right-handed defensemen uh, probably high up in, the, in his picks as well as some forwards. But I think, I think you're going to see him draft a right-handed defenseman. Uh, probably in this, you know, in his, somewhere in his first three picks. I don't think he's going to draft defense this year. I think he's going center. I think he's got some good centers. I think he's got to see a lot of centers go against Kosa that are going to be up in that, that range or draft. I think he's going to go after like a Gecky, who's from the Winnipeg Ice. Got, a, got some size to him. Pretty good player. There's a comp to him, and that's probably why I think he would go with that guy, which is Braden Point. That's his kind of his comp. I mean, there's the comp. Uh, what is it? I think it's uh, what is it? Uh, the guys at the top. They say he's really, really good, but he's also like a hit or miss. I really don't know. Like, uh, why these guys that are first overall picks and second overall picks? I don't know what it is. The past few years, they've totally struggled. Like a Lafreniere, who was was. Supposed to be really, really good. Yeah. Struggles. Yeah. He hasn't even made the top six of the, the Rangers. Like, he's sometimes playing on the third line. Like, that's not really that great. And the guy like a Philip Chettle, who was like a third-round pick or something, is playing over him. Just goes to show you, you got to hit general managers that are good. You got to hit on the draft picks that are in the second, third, fourth, and fifth rounds. And I think Steve looks for – different things than other GMs necessarily look for. I think he looks at stats, he looks at performance, but I think he looks more for where is the potential for um, someone who's teachable. I think he looks for guys who are coachable, teachable, and who have a certain certain amount of uh, maturity level. I think Steve I, really looks for maturity level in a lot of these guys. I think it's the opposite. I don't think he looks at a maturity level. I mean, I'm sure that's what he looks at. But I think he looks at the guy, the way the guy plays, like the does he fight for the puck uh, going into the corner? Does he make the? Does he try to negate an icing? You know, that's that's a, that's a, that's going to be an icing. Does he try to negate it? Um, does he sell out to block a shot? Like those are things that really, really do matter. And if you look at championship teams like the Lightning, like the uh, you know, so like, you're saying Steve looks for players that have a more comprehensive view of the game? Yeah. Just like he has a more comprehensive yeah, yeah, view like, of the game. Like, like yeah. when you watch Tampa Bay and you watch them block shots in like the critical moments, you're like, what the hell is this? Like, did they look like they're like little rock stars out there? Like, yeah. Like they're just blocking shots, blocking shots, blocking shots. And then the one will go through and, oh, yeah, that's less he got. So, like, it's just. It's pretty crazy. That's I think that's why he looks for the stuff. He looks like you know, like Carter Missouri at Denver. Watched him, and the reason that they won the, the national championship wasn't because they had a high scoring offense, which they did, but it was because that Carter Missouri, when he was on the penalty kill, he made these plays where like he would die for a puck to just get out of the zone. Like that's that stuff that is out of the ordinary for a regular player, you know, like diving for a puck. Like if you miss it, 
it could be the back here. Now, I think that's like you see it with Tampa Bay, like the, with mm-hmm. way some like the or Ross Colton, the way he plays, and he wasn't a high draft pick, and he plays the he plays the right way. Just that's I think that's I think he looks for a comprehensive guy who can make the plays that matter in a game that decide that really decide the game. I'll tell you a lot of these guys I think that are on the roster right now, I think have hit their ceilings. I really do. And I think that Steve's gonna have to I think make some at, tough choices. I think Raymond and Sutter have they can go top to the top. I think Larkin Oh, has, they're just getting started. I think Larkin hasn't hit his ceiling at all. Um Bertuzzi, I think he might have hit his ceiling. And these rumors that are going around about him being traded it, this year, it's still running rapid. I mean, I love Robbie Fabry, but I think Fabry's hit his yeah, ceiling. See, I think Valeno's had his, hit well, his ceiling. I think Fabry. And see, I like these guys. I think Fabry would be a good third line guy. Yeah. I think Valeno has the opportunity to become like a third line center, good fourth line center, you know. But like the guy I really have hope for is a Michael Rasmussen because they told they said when he came out for the draft he was going to be a little bit of a gradual grow, you know, because he's a he he wasn't a great skater and he had to learn how to skate in the NHL. Well, Bill Larkin, the same thing. He wasn't a strong skater particularly yeah, either. I think well he was he was fast, but he wasn't strong. Right. You know? But Rasmussen was different. He was just he was strong, but he wasn't fast, and that's I think that's where he got better. I think he got better as the year went on last year. So I, I think I have high hopes for him this year. So I'm hoping that he can be a guy that we look at and go, okay, he's he's a guy that's turned it around. I'll tell you one thing I like that I saw out of Rasmussen uh, last season is at the end of the season, he started to play the body a little more. He started yeah. to get a little more physical. He's starting to use, use some of those use, attributes he's got. Use your size. Yeah. yeah exactly. So that was encouraging because that showed that he was willing to change his style of play. It's just like when they, when you know Scotty Bowen said to Steve Eiserman, you got to change, you know, your style. You had to be more of a two way player. I would love to see what Barry Trotz would if, if Barry Trotz was hired by the Ravens, mm-hmm. what he would do with a guy like Rasmussen because Rasmussen is a little bit of a a wild card. I think he if you get the right coach in here, you can get the most out of him. Period. That's going to be exciting to see what they do with this new coach. Just like it'll be exciting to see what the Tigers do with a new GM when they get one. Uh, It'll be exciting to see what this new coach does with some of this talent pool, especially down in these prospects, mm-hmm. and seeing when they bring these guys up and when they test them. The one thing, again, huge credit to Steve Eiserman, who does not bring these guys up before they're ready. And I think it will be really interesting to see who makes this roster this yeah. year. That's going to be very interesting. It's going to be interesting who he signs to. Yeah, in the offseason. Because if, sure. if he goes out and makes some splash signings, like two of them, and then he fills out a lot, like a couple roster spots with, like, good style talent i think that's kind of a clue of what he's trying to to do we're gonna know soon enough and that's if this these conference finals don't go to seven games we don't end up playing hockey on the fourth of july that would be great (laughs) that would be amazing well this has been a great episode of between the whistles we will see you next week as we talk more detroit sports but uh we're gonna start our i'm gonna start a daily thing with uh detroit sports uh kind of thing on youtube channel so follow subscribe to our youtube channel and you will get the the latest daily content and you might even see me on there from time to time Uh, she's gonna break your tv screen (laughs) get ready for that we'll see you next week see you then